you if you want to grab it and open to the book of Ephesians. Just want to read before you're seated and before the children are dismissed. We want to read the passage for this morning, Ephesians chapter 1. So here's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, Romans, two Corinthian letters, and then the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. Follow along as I would read God's word aloud. And the Apostle Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of Of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. And as you are seated, the children from kindergarten through sixth grade would be dismissed for children's church with uh, Miss Steph and Miss Linda as the helpers. And uh, if you're there in Ephesians chapter one, you can stay there. That's where we're going to be here this morning as we... Enter into the third week of our 40 days of prayer journey. Uh, this week, the theme is reawakening to the Spirit of Christ. Uh, you may have seen uh, the announcement in your bulletin. There are the uh, email uh, devotions that are emailed out on Saturdays uh, for the week to come. And for the theme of that week, um, if you don't have email access or you just think, oh, it'd be easier, uh, we do have some printed copies of those devotionals up on the table as you come in the entryway. Uh, if you have not uh, gotten the devotionals in print or on email, you can. there's the web address that you can sign up for those. You can get those. Um, or you can grab a copy of those 40 Days of Prayer printed copies um, and uh, follow along as we're praying through and beginning 2022 in prayer together as a church family and as a larger alliance family. So today, again, the theme of beginning of week three is reawakening to the Spirit of Christ. We've talked about reawakening to the glory of Christ first week. Last week, we talked about reawakening to the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And as we've been doing, I'm using the outlines that have been given to us and filling them in, per- uh, making them more personal for our church family as the Lord would lead that. And so the outline today is from Rosilio Roman III. And so we're thankful to the Lord using him uh, to give us some direction around this theme of reawakening to the Spirit of Christ. So here as we begin 2022, already over uh, half a month in, the 16th of January, and uh, just to say thanks this morning to Michelle and to Mark and Steph and leading us in worship this morning, really good. Thanks for stepping out in faith on those faith-filled risks there, and uh, it's good, and the Lord definitely met us this morning, and we're grateful and give glory to him uh, for that, and uh, just goes to show when we are willing and we say, yes, Lord, he always shows up and he uses us and empowers us. And so thank you for your willingness to do that. And so as we, we step into 2022, we're reminded that it's been almost two years 
since this whole pandemic started. And uh, we in the Alliance family are been praying for these first couple weeks for a fresh new awakening. And uh, much like previous great awakenings that have been experienced here in our country, it will be preceded by a profound and a life-transforming season of prayer. Prayer will be the means to usher this awakening in. Prayer will be the means to usher this new awakening in. And so we are joining with other Alliance churches around the country, praying for this great awakening in our land. This reawakening will be then the outcome of a fresh and mighty wave of spiritual renewal that's brought on by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity that moves mightily in our midst. So prayer will be the means to usher it in, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be the one to accomplish it. And I think we would be in agreement that we as people, individuals as a church, and especially as our land, we need this kind of reawakening. And um, we want to be a part of allowing the Holy Spirit, being a place where the Holy Spirit would use us to bring that reawakening in. So this morning we want to focus on the Spirit of Christ, on the one who will accomplish it as we are praying. And so the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus that we read uh, here this morning, presents the Holy Spirit as one of the main prominent themes throughout his epistle. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, Paul states three roles that the Holy Spirit has in the life of the believer. And so this morning, we want to look at those three roles together from first or from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. There are sermon notes in your bulletins if you'd like to fill those in uh, with some more notes that will be on the screen um, if you choose to take some extra notes in that way. So the first role is this. The Holy Spirit, the first role of the Holy Spirit here in this passage is that he is God's identifying mark on the believer. The Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on the believer. You see, In verse 13, we see again, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've come to the place in your life where you've received him by faith, you are a person as a Christ follower that bears the mark or the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, this whole idea of, a, of the mark or the seal that is used here was a first century um, understanding that all the believers in Ephesus would have had because it would have been something that they would have seen. And, and we still see it from time to time in our own culture. And that is this idea of a seal. So it's kind of hard to look at. This is not a, a seal like an animal uh, that, you know, has the has the, uh, you know, or, 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 or with, the, with the balloon or the, the ball. This is a seal in which they would take hot wax, they would have a letter, and they would put that letter in, and they would put it in the envelope, and then they would put hot wax on all of the connectors there where it would open from. And then each individual person who, who would be sending a letter would have a seal that was unique to them. It was sometimes maybe their initials. So for me, my full name is Mark Raymond Conklin. So you may see like MRC and stick that on there. And it would be the identifying mark that I was the mark who sent it. 
So when it came, then everyone would know, okay, this is coming from me. And as it came, if there was any kind of tampering, if anybody had tried to get in on that, it would be very clear because that seal would be broken. And so that seal for first century under, uh, readers here would have been understood as a stamp with a private mark, something that was specific to the sender, something that was very um, known at that time too, was that there really were only two people who could, actually three people who could, own, who could open it. One was the person who sent it. The second was the person it was intended to go to. And the third, if there was someone of higher power or higher authority, they could say, I'm going to open that because I'm in charge. So if it was me just as an everyday person, if the governor saw my letter and he said, I want to know what's in there, he would have the right to open it because he was of a higher power or higher authority than me. But anyone else in the room, most likely, is not going to have higher power. We all just say we're all common folks. No one else would be able to get into that letter except the person I was sending it to. And so when Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the mark or the seal of the Holy Spirit, he, was, he is saying that when a person comes to faith in Christ, God puts the Holy Spirit in that person as a mark, as a seal, saying this person is mine. I'm identifying myself with them and them with me. And what's even more encouraging, when we think about the Holy Spirit as a seal or as a mark, is there's only one person who can open that. And that's God himself. Because Satan doesn't have the power. There isn't a human being that has the power. There is no one who can take that mark away from you. Because God has put it on you. His Holy Spirit is the mark or the seal. That seal, that mark, is given to all those that believe in Christ. Notice it says you were included in Christ. You were brought into Christ. There was a time that you were not included in Christ and a time that then you were included in Christ. When did that take place? You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And not only that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, but there's something that had to take place. Paul says, having believed. See, there is the difference between hearing it and actively believing it. There's the difference of, yeah, I heard that message all my life. I heard that I've been a sinner that's been separated from God. I've heard that my eternal destiny is hell without him. I've heard that God sent Jesus in love because he loved us, because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish. Hell would not be their destination, but they would have everlasting life with God in heaven. I've heard all of that. I've heard the message. But there has to be a time where we say, yes, I believe. And biblical belief is not just a head knowledge. Yeah, it all makes sense. Sounds good. But it is, I'm putting all of my weight, all of my hope, all of my life, I'm trusting in nothing else for right relationship with God and eternity in heaven, then Jesus and Jesus alone. Having believed, 
in Christ, we are marked with the Holy Spirit, identifying us as God's. And the Spirit is given. The Holy Spirit then is really a fulfillment of a promise. When we come to this place of believing, hearing the word believing, the Spirit comes and does this amazing work of spiritual regeneration in our lives, spiritual rebirth, sealing us. It really is the fulfillment of a promise. And that promise is found in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, and then verse 26. We'll we'll see this passage again a little later in the message. This is Jesus talking to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. And he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you. And here's the promise. Will be in you as that mark, that seal. But the counselor, verse 26, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Understand, this is pre the Holy Spirit coming. Paul is writing post the Holy Spirit coming. This is the promise. Ephesians chapter 1 is a fulfillment of the promise. The Holy Spirit coming as a seal, as a mark, identifying you as a child of God. The Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on the believer. Second role that we see here in this passage of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the believer's inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the believer's inheritance. Verse 14 again, the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit then is the down payment that God himself pays for us so that we are his possession. The Holy Spirit is that deposit, that down payment that God has paid on our behalf through what we looked at last week, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And the Spirit's presence guarantees that what God has started in us, will be fully completed, will be fully paid for, either at our physical death or at the return of Christ. One way or another, the the Spirit's presence guarantees what God has already purchased through the blood of Christ on the cross will be fully, fully enacted. Now, Many of you may be aware of the concept that was started back in the Great Depression in the 1930s or so, the concept of layaway. How many remember the concept of layaway when it comes to purchasing things? All right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, layaway was you would find something that you needed, and then you would pay a deposit, right? 
you would pay a deposit to the store and the store would then take it and put it in a special section of the store called the layaway department. And then when you had enough money to be able to fully pay for it, you would return to the store. Maybe you would come and you make a payment or then you come back, make another payment, or you just bring it all at one time. And when you had enough money, you would pay for it. And then you would take it home with you. It was as if it was yours already. The store was holding it for you. And when you finally had enough, you would be able to fully own it. You would now fully possess it. Now with credit cards today, layaway has largely been done away with because you give them that piece of plastic and then they don't care. The store doesn't care. They got their money. Now it's up to you and the credit card company. It's similar this idea of a down payment or a deposit. Only, here's the difference. God already has you. (laughs) He's not like, oh, i got to come up with some more money later. God has already paid the price for you and for me once for all, as we looked at last week, in the finished work through the shed blood of Christ on the cross. Because Jesus made that offering and sat down. The work is finished. But there is a day coming when he will fully bring that in that deposit and he will make us completely. There will be nothing that will say, Oh, am I his or am I not? We will fully experience it. What is true in heaven, what is true because the spirit of God is on us. We will experience in all of its fullness because we are the possession of God already. The spirit is a deposit guaranteeing for us in hope and in certainty, what is to come the fullness of our life in Christ with him forever and ever. That's good news, isn't it? Not only is the Spirit the down payment paid by God himself, but the Spirit guarantees our salvation and access to all of God's richest blessings. The Spirit guarantees our salvation. We don't have to wonder about it. The Spirit's presence guarantees it. And it also, he also guarantees all of or access to all of God's richest blessings. Story is told of a wealthy man. And this wealthy man had a very faithful uh, assistant, and he called that assistant into his office one day, and he said, "I want you to know that I have put my or put your name in my will, and someday you are going to receive ten thousand dollars. That'd be pretty good news." Now, this was a story from a while ago, so. may not sound like much. He says, but that boss said, since it may be a while though, until you really get that legacy, I want to make you happy now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay you the interest on that amount each and every year. And so he pulls out of his pocket a check written out to his assistant in the amount of $600 as a starter. And he says, this is the guarantee of what is yet to come. You are going to have the dividends of all of my inheritance now, and you will fully get it one day. Friends, this is what God has done in the Spirit's presence in our lives. He is the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ that one day is going to be un." Limited. One day, we will receive all of this in 
all of its fullness. But until then, we have down payments. We have access to all of it, but in limited ways. What do I mean by that? We have access to salvation, don't we? We have been saved. We have the confidence of salvation. Have we experienced the fullness of it yet? No. But we've experienced some of the joy of salvation. Have we experienced the fullness of joy yet? No. How many have received forgiveness? You know that forgiveness has come. But yet sometimes there's the guilt and the shame that may be attached to some of it. One day, there will be the fullness of forgiveness and there will be no such things. It will be wiped from our minds. We will not have guilt and shame to carry anymore. How many of you have less sin in your life than when you first came to Christ? All right, good, good. Trying to make sure everyone's blood's still flowing here. You have, we have less sin, but the presence of sin is still there. So we have part of, part of, we have the blessing of forgiveness, but yet, or the blessing of forgiveness and the blessing of freedom from sin. But one day, sin will not even be anything that we have on our minds. It will be completely, completely gone. It's, there will be no sin. There will be no temptation. There will be no effects of sin. There's healing. There's testimonies that we hear and experiences of healing physically. But in this life, we still die. One day, that healing will be total and complete. Death, sickness, pain will be no more. There will be no more aches. There will be no more hurts. There will be no more COVID. There will be nothing of sickness or disease. Nothing no cancer, anything. It will all be gone. It's the fullness of it that's coming. We experience healing, but the fullness of it is yet to come. We have peace. There's those moments when we're in the presence of the Lord and it's just perfect peace. But then we have to go on with our day and sometimes the situations come and peace is like, where did that peace go? One day there will be nothing but perfect peace. Perfect shalom. We experience partial. We experience the power of the Spirit. But one day we will live in the fullness of the Spirit. Do you see this idea that we get to access to all of the blessings of God? But one day we will have all of it without limit. And the Spirit guarantees our salvation and our inheritance because all of these are the inheritance of the believer. Third role of the Spirit we look at this morning. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the conduit to God's truth. The Holy Spirit is the conduit to God's truth. I want to read one more time verses 15 through 17. Paul says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I haven't stopped praying And giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17. Here's what he begins to pray. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation, understanding, so that you may know him better. The Holy Spirit, as we read earlier in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Again, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth so that we might have that wisdom and revelation or understanding. The spirit leads us into all truth because he is the spirit of Christ who embodies truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is truth. And so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. And so he is the spirit of truth. He leads us into truth. If you ever wonder what's true, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you into that place of wisdom and revelation so that you might know truth, so that you might know Christ. The Holy Spirit also will teach you everything. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Verse 26 of John 14 that we read, but the, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Oftentimes, before a message, before we have a Bible study, I will often pray, Holy Spirit, would you come to be our teacher? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us everything. He reminds us of what Jesus said, and he teaches us what we need to know to be able to know Christ better. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us. That's why we pray for it. There's sometimes people will say, you know what, I read the Bible and I just don't get it. I don't understand it. There's a reason. Because the Bible was written by God. He used men to be able to write his truth. It is spiritual in nature. Which means this, if you're going to understand the Bible, you need the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth, to open your mind and give you understanding because it's not human understanding, it is spiritual understanding. It is spiritual knowledge. It is spiritual wisdom and revelation that you and I can't access on our own, in our own human minds. We need the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to lead us into spiritual truth. So if you're ever struggling sometimes saying, I just don't, I don't understand what this is saying. Pause, take some time and say, Holy Spirit, you said, Jesus said that he was going to send you to be the teacher, to lead us into truth, to remind us of what you said, Jesus, to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better. Holy Spirit, would you do that work? Would you open my mind? Would you open my ears? Would you open my eyes spiritually that I might hear and see and understand what you are trying to say through Scripture? The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. And it's always for this purpose. And this is where we want to come to a conclusion this morning in the message. It's always for this purpose. The end of verse 17. So that you may know him better. Always for the purpose of knowing Jesus better. 
And friends, this is not just head knowledge. This is relational knowledge. This is knowing Jesus more personally. When we sing, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and, contain, and I can't control, I want more of you, God. I want more of you. I want more of your truth, and I want more of you, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. The good news is there is always more. In this life, we will never come to the end of knowing Christ by his Spirit. And for all of eternity, we will never come to the end of knowing God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are one God. It's inexhaustible. We will have all of eternity, and we still will not know the fullness of who he is. There's always more. Dr. A.B. Simpson, I came across this quote this week from Dr. Paul King. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, wrote this of his own encounter with Jesus through his spirit back in 1907. Listen to these words and put them up on the screen and just allow them to stir hunger and a desire for more of him. Simpson writes this. A distinct sense of warmth. At times, a penetrating fire set afire filled my whole body. God showed me plainly that it was the Holy Spirit. It continued for more than six hours. I got alone with God and on my face opened my, all my being to him to fill. At the same time, there was a deep sense of much more to come that my heart could not be satisfied without all the fullness of his power. Just let those, that testimony, this is a testimony of A.B. Simpson, just settle over you. Now, this is not what every person's experience should be. This is descriptive. It's not prescriptive, as in every person should go through this. But what Simpson found and what many others have found is that there are those moments in our lives when we come to that place where we say, Holy Spirit, I need all of you. And the Holy Spirit comes in power and even in fire, as he said, in just a sense of warmth that for six hours he was filling A.B. Simpson. But here's the, the news that he had, and this is so that we might know him better is Simpson came away from that experience, filled the fullness of Christ, but yet that deep sense that this isn't all there is. There's still more. There's still more. There's still more. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us, not just to truth, but leads us to an encounter with the person who is truth, Jesus. Friends, it's so easy. It's so easy to say, I know all about God. And I know all about his word. But let me ask you, when was the last time that his word led you to encounter, encounter Christ in a way that the spirit of God filled you and you said, ah, I know truth. 
But now I know him in a way that I did not know him before. It's the difference from reading a letter from someone and having a relational time with them face to face. Friends, God wants to use his word to lead us to those places, but the end is not his word. The end is him who is the living word by his spirit. And so friends, as we walk through this time of reawakening to the spirit of Christ, may it lead us to those places where it's not just more knowledge about him, but more relationship and deeper relationship with him. And this Holy Spirit is the one who gives us that spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. As we come to a a close this morning, just a couple application points. So we want to spend just a few moments of prayer before we close in together. The first is, as followers of Christ, let us together be in this week asking the Holy Spirit to guide us in our daily living and to empower us to boldly bear his mark before our family, our friends, and our coworkers. This happens as we come into those encounters with him where we are empowered to boldly bear that mark so that others can see it. And the second application point, as Alliance family members, let us ask God to use us and our Alliance churches to spark the transforming flames of revival in our communities and in our nation. So I want to lead us for a few moments in prayer over these two application points together. And the way we're going to do this is I just want you to have some time with God. And so as we are interceding for these two things together, silently and personally, we will be lifting up these prayers as incense before the Lord together, that there will be this spiritual reality taking place, that God hears all of it, but we want to be in unison together voicing these prayers before the Lord. And so I just encourage you to be praying silently. I'll give us direction on how to pray, on what to pray for, and then uh, I'll pray for us in closing together. So let's go to prayer. So Holy Spirit, you told us that you would lead us into truth, that you would teach us and that you would guide us. You're, the, you're our counselor. You're also the one who intercedes with groans and utterings that we don't understand. You're interceding for us. And Father, you have said that we should not pray in the flesh, but that we should pray in the spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers before the Father. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you and invite you to lead us, to give us your heart to pray for. And so as the Holy Spirit would guide your prayers individually, would you ask him, to be the one who guides us in our daily living? And would you ask him to empower us to boldly live out before our family, our friends, and our coworkers who we are in Christ? Take a few moments to intercede before the Lord for this.
would you pray that as a church and as a larger Alliance family for God to use us here in our own church and across the country to spark the transforming flame of revival in our community here, in our region here in Pittsburgh, in our state, and in our nation. Continuing just in a spirit of of prayer and worship, if you are able, would you stand with me? And would we, in closing, just lift up the words of that last chorus, set a fire, as a prayer before the Lord? Would you join me in singing it? Those words would be on the screen to set a fire down in my soul. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. One more time. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. 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 So, Father, I thank you that that is a prayer and a cry that you love to answer. For, Father, you are a good father who knows how to give good gifts to your children. And so if we as earthly fathers, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will you give us the gift of the Holy Spirit? We praise you that you have already given him to us as a seal and a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and our salvation to come. But you've also given us your spirit and the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you better, that the life of Christ might increase in us as we decrease. So, We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to fill, to empower, 
to pour out the love of the Father, to guide, to teach, to lead us to more Christ-likeness as Jesus. You live your life through us by your Spirit. Blow over those embers, those flames, that it would increase, that the fire of the Spirit would increase. We pray for increase in this, that your spirit might come, that there would be an awakening to the spirit of Christ that we have not experienced because you are a God who always has more for us. So lead us this week. I bless your people in the name of Jesus with reawakening encounters with the spirit of Christ that would lead us deeper and deeper and deeper into him. Holy Spirit, have your way. We trust you to do your good work in us for the glory of Jesus. And all God's people said together, amen. May the Lord bless you as you go. May there be increase of the spirit of Christ in your life as you pray and as you seek him this week. Go in his peace, amen.